0: what's up guys we are back with another hot topic this week um we have an awesome guest as always I'm very excited about this we guest. are very very <laughs> excited so everyone stay tuned thank you for joining us for sundays, sundays at seven, 7. guys, we are sitting here at First Baptist Church in Winchester with Pastor King, so everyone let's welcome him. We are so excited. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Um, if you want to, just before we get started with our topic, if you just want to maybe tell everyone a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm um, I'm not originally from Kentucky, I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Oh, cool. Uh, I've had a very interesting route into ministry. Um, you know, I spent some time, uh, I was a college athlete, so, you know, I've been in that world, uh, I spent time in corporate America. I've been in that world and now, you know, I, the Lord just kind of moved upon my heart while I was in corporate America, uh, to pursue a life of significance over success. And so I made a a clean break from corporate America at at, at, at what would have been, uh, some very good career opportunities. And I walked away from it all and devoted my time to full-time ministry. So uh, then, you know, so that was, so I've been at First Baptist. This is going on my 11th year, man. It's been, uh, oh, wow. yeah, it, it's been, it's been a very quick journey. It seems like I just got here, um, but I'm going into my 11th year uh, serving this, this congregation, uh, seeking to serve this community uh, well. And um, it's been, it's been a great ride.
2: Yeah. That's I, I, awesome been to your church a couple times, but I remember the first time that I came to First Baptist Church, and it was when Lawrence <clears throat> Williams was giving his first sermon, and I came yeah. to watch him speak. And let me just tell you, that experience is one of my favorite, like, church experiences I've ever had. It was so full of life, and so I'm very excited to <clears throat> what you have to say about this, our topic for today, which is, yeah. is the church dying? Mm-hmm. And before we get into that, I just want to make like, a disclaimer about that. like. When we say the church, obviously all of us are associated with the church that we frequent. So yeah. people would associate yeah. the church that we go to most frequently when we say the church. But we're talking about the church as a whole. So when we say mm-hmm. the church, we're not like <clears throat> pointing out one specific church. It's like the church as a whole. But, so yeah. I just wanna, we just want to present that question to you. Is the church dying? And what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's a, very great, that's a very good question. And I appreciate the way you prefaced it. Because the way you prefaced it is the way I'm gonna answer it. The, The church universal is not dying. It's actually growing, even in the midst of pandemic. The Western idea of church is dying. And what we have developed in our minds to be church, which is the local church, which is the local fellowship, these individual pockets of polarized religious practices, what we're seeing in the midst of pandemic is the decline of that. We, what, what we're seeing is that the gospel itself is beginning to radiate and establish the, and re, recalibrate what we have called the church, which is our identity in Christ. And so Christ was a very polarizing figure. And when you, when you look at the Gospels, Christ was like, you got to make a choice, right? So, so Christ is living in a time of this, this Roman occupation, you know, and even somewhat oppression politically, culturally, socially. And Christ says, okay, let me show you the kingdom and now make a choice between kingdom and politics. And so what we find is because many of us have developed an identity of Westernized Christianity, when, 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 collect, when social and cultural calamity comes in the form of a pandemic, now you've got to reevaluate what has your faith been founded on. Yeah. So the crumbling of the, this, 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 this idol we have called church, is dying but the church is growing because in order to survive the cultural dilemmas we have to now recalibrate back to the gospel does that make sense yes oh, definitely yeah
0: yeah and i love that i love the re recalibration it's yeah. like we've like kind of mustered up this oh like our own version of what the gospel should be yeah and it's it tells us directly in the Bible what it is and you yeah. can't change it.
1: Yeah, and so <clears throat> what we have seen, we're, we're having to reconcile what we have been socialized and taught through our culture versus what the Bible really says. Yes. So when you look at Acts and you look at this group of people that are all coming to Christ of various cultures, Christ is meant to draw. So regardless of what we experience in our culture, Christ is our common denominator.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I'm saying? So yes. I, So now I gotta now look at you as my neighbor, my sister. You're my sister if you are a believer in Christ, a follower of Christ. right So I cannot put anything in culture. Above the redemptive relationship that we now have through the blood of Jesus.
0: Ooh. Yeah, that's really good. That's true. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Totally. Definitely. Yeah. yeah.
1: And now what, what, what we are faced with is this dilemma of which God are you going to choose? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The God of creation or the God that we've manufactured that, that we pigeonhole in our boxes, in our culture and through our economics, through our education, through our politics. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes. When most people hear this question right now in the time we're living in, I feel like most people would say yes, just because, you know, but when I first heard this, I was like, no, you know, like, Obviously, God is the author of the story, and we know who wins and who loses in the end, and the church Mm -hmm. is not going to die, obviously. But I do think, in a way, the church is sort of asleep. It makes me think of that verse in Ephesians, you know, Awake, awake, O sleeper. Arise, and Christ will shine on you. That verse, I really love that verse, and I think about it often. But I can only speak from personal experience and a person who attends different churches, you know. Mm -hmm. And I do think that there's like a tangible sense of, exhaustion maybe in the church or maybe just like a shift, like a tangible shift that we're experiencing right now that's not necessarily bad, that's right. but I think that this topic is interesting because I don't think it should be harsh or out of the ordinary to call the church to change or to think that our version of the church is the only one God approves of or you know, there's we read this book by Francis Chain, it's called Letter to the Church and it's like very intense. But there's a quote that I really like that I found when I was like just, you know, researching this topic and he says, I think we should be constantly seeking renewal, being ready at any moment to discard the elements of church that lead us away from God's heart rather than toward it. And that's you know, exactly right. if we look at this time like that, I mean this is a good thing that's happening. You
1: know? Yeah, it is. And and it's so funny you said that because that's the exact proposition that I'm making is that anything that leads us away from the heart of God is not the kingdom of God. Nowhere in the biblical narrative was God ever seeking to push us away. Now we go we go through biblical history and we understand Israel, as they were the chosen people of God, were, were led away by their own heart's mm-hmm. desires. And I think we have to be careful in our state of blessing that God has blessed our country and our our culture, that we don't begin to become so haughty, Mm -hmm. to your point, that we think our only expression of love and faithfulness and worship and discipleship is the only way. Because what I think is happening is, when you look at how Christianity is growing in other countries like Asia and Africa, there are a lot that we can learn from from, from those cultures. Mm And I I, I think God is beginning to open our eyes to that.
0: We had another question too. It kind of goes along with the recalibrating. Mm -hmm. Um, I listened to um, a sermon one time where the pastor said, you know, when you look at a graph and you look at the way the culture is going, the church is almost, it's like identical to the where the church should kind of be separated a little bit. Yes. The, the, um, mm-hmm. the question that we had was, what are some places that you see a disconnect between what the church is doing and what the world actually needs?
1: I, I, I think the church is spending so much time fighting for relevance
0: mm-hmm.
1: when the gospel is relevant. Yes, that's I, so true. I, I think that if the church would ever turn its focus away from itself, our own sustainability, our own relevance, and turn that to really meeting the needs of people, and when I say needs, I'm not talking about just physical. I mean, the gospel is relevant for the emotional, psychological, spiritual needs of everyone, because because the gospel deals with brokenness we are all if we really believe the bible are all depraved and the gospel heals the deepest wounds it, it bridges the deepest chasms it, it it literally brings you know broken fragmented pieces and weaves them back together in a tapestry that is beautiful and the gospel is restorative so when I look at those qualities, and we could go on and on about the gospel, right? The churches I don't have to try to be relevant. I am relevant. And so when I look at if I just if we just get, get back to the model of Christ or or read uh Paul's letters to the churches, where he says, Man, I become all things to all men and I might win some. You know, I, I that is for me, what, what my focus is and where I try to disciple our congregation. Am I educated? Yeah. But there are people in my church who are not educated. So I'm not coming and I'm not speaking the King's English to them because they're not going to get that. My goal is to win somebody. Mm-hmm. So I have enough experiences to be diverse. And here's where diversity comes in with the gospel because even Jesus was willing to do some things to meet people were not like him. When I think about the woman at the well,
0: mm-hmm. this is
1: a Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. Man, it's a woman of a different culture, and he meets with her. So we got to be willing, right, to do some things like that.
0: Yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah. When I first heard this question, we had a similar response. I just kept thinking back to the Bible and the ways of Jesus and his disciples, and. How were they the church? They spoke truth any and everywhere. So they were going Mm -hmm. out on a mountain or by a lake or at a wedding, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I love the phrase, ministry was life and life was ministry. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's often the disconnect for me today is like the messages, if the messages spoken today were taken out of a physical building and were by a lake or were on a mountain, could it stand without all the bells and whistles of of our modern Western church? You know, would it be as compelling? And I just... Was thinking about like as a church we often compartmentalize the gospel to a building yeah and fail to weave it through mm-hmm. our everyday life and to yeah. me that's the disconnect yeah. and i love what you said about staying real the church tries to stay relevant yeah I feel like the modern church is like Kind of proprietary and like yeah. jealous of the attention of its members when it should encourage them to go out and yeah. put what they learned in the building into action out into the world and yeah. there's a disconnect there oftentimes yeah. I feel it,
1: it, it is um, and 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 you know what what's interesting I find it that, that you know I critique the church because I'm a part of it mm-hmm. and because I am a part of it I have the right to critique us right and I find that there are so many people that share the gospel, you know, to, to bend people to their way of thinking instead of allowing the gospel to change your individual way of thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so, so there's a lot of, I think where another disconnect that I observe is people trying to force a, 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 a cultural perspective or a thought pattern or an ideology That conforms to a personal will and we try to use the gospel to justify it Mm -hmm. instead of allowing the gospel to interrogate us to find the holes in us and then by the redemptive love of god show us that we're worthy of god's love and bring us back to a right way of thinking right way of feeling right way of doing all that kind of thing
0: yeah so definitely let the gospel interrogate us i know that's that's so good. good what's so interesting i was talking with my husband last night about this topic and he said, um, he said something like, you know, Paul wrote letters, like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. to all of these churches in the New Testament and called them out on, this is what you're doing wrong, this is, you know, what I see well, all of these things. And he said, you know, we, we talk about, is the church dying? And when you said the, a lot of our first answers would be yes, it's because we're distracted from reading the actual Bible. Because if mm-hmm. we were to read the actual Bible, we would see there are so many examples mm-hmm. of, you know, hardship in the churches i mean the church has been prosecuted Mm -hmm. i mean the whole entire life of the church let's just be honest yeah and but i think that we kind of like you said set our own standards of how the church should be and we don't read what the church has you know Mm -hmm. been through in the old or in the new testament the church like like i said has has always been prosecuted but we don't read into the bible to see that for ourselves Mm -hmm. we don't look at those examples we're not You know, we just think, we mentioned on the way here, she was like, when the rain, when it starts to rain, people are like, oh my gosh, it's raining. But, you know, it's rained (laughs) forever, and the rain goes away, you -hmm. know? But we just, we don't read the Bible to see those examples, and it makes us more scared that the church is dying.
1: And and I think um, some of the contributing factors to that is um, we have, you know, leaders who... Are, who have not really yet fully committed to the way of faith. So there are areas in which we compromise. The moment that there's compromise to the gospel, we will find that there will be moral failure, ethical failure, spiritual failure. Um, you, you know, we, we've got to begin to encourage each other to be committed to this thing and to be prophetic in our teaching and preaching. And to be prophetic just means to tell the truth. Um, to be like some of the prophets of the Old Testament, to be like Christ was in the New Testament, to be like many of the disciples. The gospel, you know, we try to pick and choose the stuff that feels good in the gospel. But the gospel is about sacrifice. When you, when you look at, 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 at the biblical narrative and what we are called to as people, we are a covenant people. We're living under covenant, the new covenant of Jesus Christ, that involved a sacrifice. So there would be no real transformation if we don't lay ourselves on the altar of sacrifice
0: mm-hmm. yeah I mean just what you're saying it just creates a division
1: mm-hmm. and
0: gospel calls us to be unified and even in the book that she mentioned earlier letters to the church it talks about how God can reach people and bring them from death to life through the unity of the church that's right mm-hmm. and I feel like those things you know that's just causing a division yeah, yeah. which
1: is in America it is mm-hmm. but <clears throat> if you look at the if you look at just the body of Christ, there are pockets of revival happening. Um, and what what I think is going to be very telling that in the next five to 10 years, when we look at some of the fruits that come out of America's uh, struggle with Christianity and the church, we're going to have to relearn a lot of things and, and unlearn some things that we have been discipled through our culture. And... I think much of that teaching is going to come from other cultures. I think other cultures in which we have gone to be missionaries to evangelize are going to have to come, have to come back and evangelize wow. us Yeah,
0: interesting.
1: Yeah. and that's going to be humbling, but it's going to be the only way that the Western church is going to experience revival. Because pride comes before a fall, that's Bible. God does not like a haughty spirit, that's the Bible. All right? If we have become so hardy and so arrogant and so hubris in our practice of faith, there's no choice but to, re- to experience the chastisement of God. And the chastisement of God is manifesting in some of the divisions we see. And I think that the other cultures are going to have to come back and evangelize us to love God first and then love one another. That's the, that's the picture of the cross. Mm -hmm. It's the vertical and the horizontal relationship If something is wrong With our horizontal relationship Then there's something wrong with our vertical relationship
0: Yeah, that's so good I've
1: never heard that Yeah. When I I measure The the church I've got to say Where is the cross Because the cross is the central figure As Paul talks about in Corinthians The the cross is that Focal point That cornerstone that we built Everything around so, there's no way, if the cross has its proper place in my life, there's no way that I should let culture, economics, academics, politics separate or divide us. No way. So, yeah.
0: Now, y'all,
1: y'all had a preacher on this podcast. I hope y'all knew what y'all, <laughs> y'all were <knew what> <laughs> getting.
0: I, mean, I can feel it. I, I was about like, to say, go. go.
1: <laughs> Afro American preacher. So, you know, I know y'all, you know, I don't know if y'all knew what y'all were getting this morning.
0: <laughs> this is awesome, though. Way to start a Saturday morning, that's for sure. Um, I'm so glad that you mentioned the pockets of revival. Yeah. I think that's so important because I do feel like in today's culture, we think the church is dying and we'll just sit in that. and like, well, the church is dying, you know, and that's mm-hmm. it. But there is hope. There's hope everywhere. Yeah. And so I just want to ask a question to you. What are some things that bring you the most hope? In um, what you're seeing and like in the community. And stuff? Yeah.
1: So, you know, what brings me the most hope is when I see congregations, uh, people that were once divided, Begin to start questioning, questioning the things of the church, and to say, "Wait a minute! If God is who we say He is and what the Bible tells us He is," they are beginning. There is a, a an awakening that I'm witnessing, where people are developing a hunger, because the God of love and the God of redemption, you know, they want to experience that in their lives. And and what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a hunger. To, to want to know truth. I am mm-hmm. seeing people who are saying, like yourselves, who are saying, you know what, wait a minute, something feels off, I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. let me pursue and find the truth. And, and I think the pursuit of truth is what's giving me the most hope. Because in the pursuit of truth, they will find Christ. When they find Christ, they will find hope, they will find love, they will find redemption, they will find healing, restoration. So I'm encouraged by the pursuit of truth that I'm witnessing. In our, in our in our day and time.
2: I feel like we had similar thought processes. When I heard that question, I thought of how, what gives me the most hope for the church. And I love that we asked this question because I feel like oftentimes when we talk about the church, we talk about how it's persecuted and mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. all the things that they're doing wrong and we forget to talk about the hope and the joy and like the everlasting freedom that comes from being a part of the church. And I feel like that's yeah. often not talked about, but what makes me hopeful is that I think people Are wanting more people as a whole like the Mm -hmm. human race like we I feel like this generation specifically is craving something more and when that hunger is channeled in the right way you know obviously towards a yearning for (laughs) Jesus and realizing that I feel like that's when revival happens and I truly believe that's one of the lessons we're supposed to glean from what's happening this year is to force us to channel out this longing not in this world because obviously it's of messed up you know but into an eternal savior and realizing that this world can't offer us what we're still craving something more um and so my greatest hope for the church would be to evolve from or maybe just evolving our definition of the church from being a building to a like community of people and
1: because that's the bible
2: exactly Mm -hmm. i mean
1: you know and i'm also hopeful because you know You know as i have children who are in this this younger generation man they want to keep it real so the things that i grew up in church seeing like not asking questions you know do as i say not as i do Mm -hmm. you know and we just in my generation we just accepted it right my kids are like wait a minute hold on dad wait a minute didn't you just say didn't you just preach didn't you just and so it's forcing and authenticity and, I, and what's hopeful for me is that this younger generation is forcing us not to pursue religion but relationship. Yeah. And I think that that is what the church has missed. We have, to, to your point about preserving the institution of the, of the church being the four walls, now we're going back to the Bible. So now my kids are like, wait a minute, why can't we love each other? Dad, you know, my kids don't know some of the stuff that, that I've, I've had to experience. And they don't want to know it. So now it's like, wait a minute, we got to really put the gospel into practice. We still mm-hmm. got, we, we really have to say, okay, we believe in the reconciliation of God to, uh, to man to God and God to man and man to one another, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a realness that, I, that, that I'm hopeful about. And I'm like, man, I can't preach in this congregation and not keep it real, because they want truth. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, we hear enough of this fluff, we got all this comp- all these competing mm-hmm. messages, pastor, tell us the truth. Straight, no chaser, don't cut it, don't, don't chop it up, what is it? And let's, let's move towards that. So I'm hopeful about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any, just for like final thoughts, is there any last piece of advice that you would offer the people maybe listening to this podcast?
1: Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, we
0: always like at the very end just to go around have final, final thoughts. Yeah, final yeah, we thoughts. We call it final thoughts.
1: Um, you know, I, I don't really have a specific final thought, but I would just challenge any listener to allow the love of God to authentically permeate their own souls and to radiate that authentic love that washed away our sins, that did not judge us, that did not hold our sins against us, And let's radiate that same love that we can build bridges and not walls.
2: I would say I just have been on this kick right now about, um, the community of, of the church being enthusiastic and excited about the gift that they have received and not, I feel like we can just so easily get into this mundane, tired, exhausted routine when it comes to being a Christian. And that is not. That is not the gospel. Like we are supposed to be like, you know, all the verses in the Bible that talk about like being impregnated with the hope. You know, like a pregnant woman is so excited about having a baby. That's how we should feel and be so excited that we can't contain it. And I feel like that's kind of missing in me, my own life personally. So there's another quote from that book that we've talked about. (laughs) It's a good book. (laughs) He says, um, there's no greater honor than to be a part of God's church. And if we walked around (laughs) like that every day, I feel like the church would be a little bit different so
0: yeah I love that there's a story for my final thoughts there's a story in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus visits Mary and Martha and I was reading it just randomly the other day anyway so Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus Martha is in the kitchen cooking and she's getting all mad right because she's like cooking all this stuff she's trying to prep all this stuff and she's like Jesus come on tell her you know I have a lot to do I need help cooking and Jesus says, Martha, you are anxious and distracted. You're distracted right now because Mary is choosing what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Mm-hmm. And so I just love the just choose what is better. We have the option in our lives. We have the option to read the Bible, to learn the stories. The Bible is not irrelevant. The Bible was given to us as a gift to help us, you know, through you know what we're going through, through our culture, through the church and what it's supposed to be. And we have the choice to pick up our Bible and read it. We have the choice to sit at the feet of Jesus instead of being distracted by everything around us. That's good. And that was just my encouragement, just to choose to be at the feet of Jesus because it will not be taken away from us if we do. Mm-hmm. So That's good.
1: Man, y'all make my soul happy. <laughs> um, you know, hearing you all's final thoughts, <clears throat> and you talked about the enthusiasm and the impregnation. I'm trying to contain my enthusiasm right now. When when we are honest about who we really are and we allow, as I said before, the love of Christ and the gospel to really interrogate us and we see our own depravity and we understand this perfect love that God has given us that is no judgment, is removed fear, and you are grateful for the new life that you're learning every day and every day you get new mercies. Every day we get a chance to witness and evolve and, and and the Christ consciousness begins to develop in us where we begin to think like him, feel like him, move like him, behave like him, speak like him, and you start realizing that your old self is dying every day and your new self is being renewed every day and you're being able to see things and we understand that the privilege of what we do is we're doing it unto the Lord. Oh, that'll generate excitement.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It really will. Definitely. To the point that it's a privilege and an honor to serve and to be a part of the church. And we don't ever take that for granted. That's right. Yeah.
2: That's such a good message to leave with this podcast being about the church. Right. There's no
0: better message to leave than that. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for being on our we podcast. We so appreciate you for having me. Thank you for having me. This has me. been so enlightening. I just. It's awesome what you had to say and just your passion for the church and mm-hmm. just your passion for speaking with us. I've definitely learned a lot for sure. Yes. Well, I,
1: so. I, I, hope, I hope that it was a blessing to you all as well as it will be to your listeners. So. It will be. It will be for it sure.
0: Will be. All right, guys, uh, we are wrapping up this podcast today. We've had an awesome time. Join us next week. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sunday at 7. 7. Bye, guys. Bye. That was so good. Bye. Yeah.